When was the last time you honestly took a moment to challenge yourself to believe in the capabilities of your own possibilities and talents? When was the last time you bet on yourself and believed in your aptitude to be successful? In layman's terms, when was the last time you empowered yourself to believe in you? Well, according to my friends over at Medium and Psychology Today, they report, from a global perspective, 85 to 88% of people around the world are hesitant to take a leap of faith in life because they lack self-confidence. Well, in such a case, if that is indeed what's going on from a global perspective, I want to take a moment and introduce them to my friend Chris Gormley. I could spend the duration of this remaining introduction by telling you all of the strides and uh, benchmarks that Gormley has reached from a real estate perspective, or how he left a job that paid him north of $200,000 a year in medical sales to pursue his dream as an entrepreneur and life coach. I could tell you about the time in 2015 that he got into an accident that shaped the rest of his life and how he views the concept of redemption as a competitive advantage to his story. However, I've chosen to tell you what really gets him excited as it relates to his passion and his purpose and his vision for his life when he gets out of bed every day. And that's to impact people, to push them to realize the fullest times of what they're capable of if they only took a moment to believe in the most powerful tool that they'll ever have in life themselves. Now, as a life and discipline coach, Gormley spends the majority of his time focused on optimizing his clients physical, mental, and psychological perspective of themselves and their abilities to succeed in life. My friends, this is indeed a milestone episode for our program as we bring you the 800th conversation of this very endeavor. And I can't think of a better way to celebrate the milestone than having a conversation with Gormley, all about leadership, optimization of your abilities, and reaching the fullest heights of your own potential. So without further ado, I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation.
so Chris, if you're ready, I'll take a moment to welcome you to the program, my friend. And I'm super excited to learn about your life and everything that makes you fabulous. Great to see you this morning, my friend. And happy uh, Thursday morning to you. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Likewise. Absolutely, my friend. And, you, you know, Chris, I was fascinated to talk to you this morning. Morning, and my first question for you, my friend, is how do you view the concept of both uh, consistency and expectations? Because I know you have a particular view on those two things in particular. So I'm wondering if you could share that with me this morning. Absolutely. And just to make sure I understood, Kevin, you, so how do I sort of view consistency and expectations? That was the question. Absolutely. Great question. Um, so I think with, you know, the consistency piece, you know, it's interesting. I actually just made a reel about this on my Instagram. Um, I think regardless of how we act and sort of how we go about our day, I think we're always consistent. It's just, are we consistently inconsistent or are we consistent in the right manners? Right? So in my mind, I already view it as, look, I'm going to be consistent. I might as well just do everything I can to try to consistently show up in a manner that's progressive. Um, that, that, you know, catapults my life that makes a positive impact on other people, because even if I'm not quote unquote consistent, that is consistency in its own regard, right? You're just inconsistently inconsistent. Like I said, so that'd be my take on the consistency piece. I think on the expectations, I'm a big believer of dichotomies, Kevin. So I think that, you know, I don't ever pigeonhole myself into one end of the spectrum. So when it comes to expectations, I will say that there's absolutely expectations I have for my life. There's no doubt about that. However, I'm a big fan of detaching from those expectations because when you get so focused on the end result, an end result that may not even pan out, uh, it takes away from the journey and it takes away from really falling in love with the process, which I think is if you really want to obtain your end goal, you have to fall in love with the journey because it's going to be so freaking hard that you got to have a love for it. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't really have a, uh, sort of a one or a two word answer, so to speak, when it comes to those things. But I just think that if you can absolutely have expectations in your mind, but detach from them and enjoy that journey, and you can learn how to show up in a consistent manner, no one's going to stop you. Nothing's going to stop you. Yeah, and Chris, I know that you also have so, sort of an interesting view when it comes to the concept of tough love and really, really demanding the most out of yourself. So I'm wondering your thoughts on the concept of tough love and how we can apply it to really elevate our own standards in life. What are your thoughts there, my friend? Yeah, yeah. Another great question, Kevin. So, you know, I think I'm a big fan of the self, the, you know, the self-help, the psychology era that we've lived in over the last 50, 60 years, um, understanding your mindset, you know, all that stuff's really important but I think it has swayed a little bit too far. Uh, I think it's swayed a little bit too far in the sense that we're constantly focused on how we feel, how we make other people feel. And we have to also understand that we have brains that are, are programmed since the dawn of man, right? So there is grit, there is fortitude, there is tough love. And I'm a huge fan of the fact that you need to really understand when it's important to separate your logic from your emotions. And the reality is life is hard. Uh, people are going to hurt us, betray us. Things are going to hurt us. We're going to go through hardship in our life. And if you don't have that mental fortitude and that tough love, it's going to be a lot harder for you to, to, to thrive and prevail in life. And I think that 
tough love is really one of the truest forms of love. Uh, might not feel good in the present, but it's ultimately going to give people the perspective they need to change. And I think that can, that can be, uh, you know, process one of two ways, whether it's tough love, giving it to other people or tough love, giving it to yourself. And the moment you can become real with yourself or become real with others, again, you might be like disliked or quote unquote hated in the short term, but you're going to be loved in the long term because you're giving them the, the, the dose of reality. And the one person I really like to think of when it comes to this, that I idolized growing up was Michael Jordan. A lot of his teammates hated him. They didn't like him. But they look back and they're like, he's the greatest teammate I ever had because I'm wearing multiple rings on my hand and I was the best basketball player I could have been because of him. So um, I think tough love is absolutely necessary and I think it's way underutilized in today's day, day and age. Well, of course, I have to tell you why. I uh, appreciate the sports reference, my friend, because I started my career as a sports reporter. So thank you for that. Yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> of course. So, and Chris, I'm, I'm curious to also get your perspective on the idea of elevating self-confidence in life, because, you know, there are certain instances in life where I think people are afraid to take the leap of faith in their own abilities because of a lack of self-confidence. So what is your view in sort of elevating our level of self-confidence and belief in ourselves? What do you think is the key there, my friend? Yep. So I think the best thing about self-confidence, Kevin, is that it's not something you're you're born with. It's not something you either have or don't have. It's something that you can forge. It's something that you can build. Um, there have absolutely been times in my life. I think there's, there's always going to be, I think, times in life where you want to build confidence in certain areas. But there's really been times in my life where I lacked confidence pretty significantly in certain areas of my life. And um, again, with the tough love, with the consistency, with detaching from those expectations, like those points we just hit on and really following through on your commitment day after day, that builds the confidence. You know what I mean, Kevin, that, that allows you to see that you can produce results that you can consistently show up. Even when you don't want to, it allows you to be real with yourself through that tough love. And you eventually get to the point where you're just like, I'm the man or I'm the woman and I got this and I can do this. And uh, I think it's, you know, the best thing about self-confidence is that it can be built. So Yeah, yeah absolutely. Chris, how do you think this, uh, discipline and happiness are interconnected? How, how do you think those two things are related? Oh, man, another great question. Um, I think they're directly related. I think they, they're siblings if you wanted to put a family analogy on it. I think that, you know, can you be happy without discipline? I think to a certain extent. Um you know, I think the more disciplined you are, the happier you're going to be. Yeah, I would say that as well. Um, now, again, there there's a little bit of color in this because, you, again, you have to detach from that expectation, right? If if you're if you're super disciplined but you're focused on the end result, that's going to lead to disappointment. But if you're disciplined in that you're taking it day by day with the end goal in mind, but you're not attached to it. Um, that's where the happiness comes into play. And I tell you what, the more I do things that I don't want to do when I go to the gym, when I don't want to, when I get up early and I don't want to, I might be tired. I might not want to go in the beginning, but man, oh man, am I happy. But when I listen to that, you know, that inner, um, you know, that inner weak voice, if you will, it might feel good in the short term, but I feel way worse in the long term. So to your point, discipline and happiness are, are siblings.
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, of course, I'm going to share just a, a quick story about myself, my friend. So anyone that listens to my podcast knows that I was diagnosed with what's called uh, spastic quadriplegia cerebral palsy at birth, my friend. And I actually found out at the age of nine that I wouldn't be able to walk throughout the duration of my life without a walker, my friend. But I always live my life through the saying that inclusion is the gateway to independence and that everyone's portrait of success is different. So we talk about the word inclusion and breaking down barriers to access to opportunity. I'm wondering your view on that concept and your view on the word inclusion as well. Yeah, yeah. Now, you mean inclusion inclusion from a, more of like a societal standpoint? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, we're tribal people by nature. I think we all need to be surrounded by the right people that push us, that believe in us, that give us that tough love, that give us that soft love, that encouragement. Um I love your story, by the way, because I can tell based on the research I did prior to getting on this podcast that you are surrounded by some incredible people and you have some awesome testimonials. And I think your story is absolutely fabulous when it comes to inclusion. And, um, you know, there's a reason why they say you're like the five people you surround yourself with the most. And, you know, your environment is everything. You know, if you want to switch up your your motivation, if you want to switch up your uh you know, your momentum, if you will, switch up your environment. And I think that goes for people too. So um, I think conclusion is absolutely one of the most vital things. You can be as good as you want to be internally, but if you're in the wrong environment, you're never going to be as good as you could be. You know, we all hear this, the, the success stories where people grow up inner city, struggling, um, you know, in, in the hood, if you will. I was one of those guys. I grew up there for a good portion of the time people break out of that and they do have that internal mindset that gets them away from that. But you can all see, or we can all see that when you get out of that environment, you thrive, you take off. And everyone who gets out of that environment says, I wouldn't have made it if I would have stayed there. So it's huge. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, of course, I'm also fascinated to ask you about the correlation between relationships and making progress in life. So how do you think, relationships and leadership is interconnected? I think it becomes substantially easier to succeed in life, regardless of what your definition of success is, whether it's time freedom, financial freedom, et cetera. Um, if you're surrounded by the right people in the right relationships, I think you can have a certain amount of success in any type of relationship. Um, I'm a prime example of that. I mean, I know personally, like in my last relationship, that was five years, you know, I had a certain amount of support. I started my real estate company. I left my W2 job. I was able to obtain, obtain a certain amount of success, but it did get to the point where I realized that, you know, that relationship was substantially holding me back. And there was just a lot of uh, murky water, if you will. And as soon as I got out of that relationship and, and drew that standard, my life elevated. It completely took off in a way where I gained clarity that I otherwise wouldn't have had. So you know, I think that's what's so tricky with people and why they stay surrounded by people, whether it's their hometown friends, that family member they can't cut off or distance themselves from or that toxic relationship, because you can go about your day and look at your life and say, yeah, I'm happy. I'm successful. I go to my job. I make good money, whatever. But if you really take a step back, look 30,000 foot view, elevate your standard, you'll realize, well, I'm not even close to as happy as I could be, you know, until I get out of this. Yeah, absolutely, my friend. And I wanted to ask you also about 
what it means uh, to you to be present in life. And I know that uh, fitness plays a big role in the, the pursuit of happiness for you. So tell me, what does it mean to be present in life from your perspective? Uh, and how does uh, fitness play a role in your happiness, my friend? This is, man, this is one of the uh, most passionate things you just brought up for me, Kevin. So fitness, I think presence in general is, is this exactly plays into detaching from that expectation and enjoying the journey and that daily result and being present. Um, fitness has been absolutely monumental because when we all go through the course of our day and we're eating a bunch of crap and we're going through stuff and we're having those tough conversations at work or whatever that looks like being able to tap out and go to a place like the gym where I can push myself and, and not think about work while I'm at the gym or not think about what I have to do tomorrow or what I did yesterday and literally be right in front of those weights and know that this set right in front of me that I'm going for eight reps, hoping I get nine or 10. Um, it completely taps you out of the, the sort of the quote unquote real world. And it, it gives you a sense of gratitude and focus and, it just, it catapults into so many other things. I mean, your, your discipline, um, everything just elevates. So I think it's, it's absolutely, it's extremely monumental that you have to be present. Same thing with having my daughter, you know, I've been with my daughter where I'm thinking about work and I've been with my daughter and often and with my daughter where I don't think about anything else, but her, and I can tell the energy she picks up off of it when I'm present. So, um, I think it's one of the most secret sauces to life that you can implement is, uh, being present. Absolutely. And uh, Chris, we share the uh, same synergy in the, in the fact that we're both mother's boys, my friend. I'm a, mother, a mother's boy in heart, and I know that you were, were raised by a single mom, and I know that she means a lot to you. So tell me about uh, the presence of your mom, what she means to you, and how your upbringing sort of uh, uh, transformed you into the person that you are today, my friend. Yeah, 100%. Well, I, I love that you uh, you have that same background as well. And I think, you know, my uh, my mother, and ironically enough, she's moving down here from Michigan to North Carolina to, to live close to me and just be closer to her granddaughter, obviously my daughter. And uh, that's taking place in about a month. So I'm super excited. But man, she she played mother and father in that house for me, Kevin. And despite what people say about mama's boys where, you know, I've heard people are raised too soft or whatever the case might be, <laughs> not the case with me. I am as tough as I am because of my mother, but I'm also as soft as I am because of my mother. Um, a lot of ways that I parent my daughter is because of my mom. And I just look at who she is and, and what she sacrificed for me, whether it was, you know, picking up that second job where I had to take care of my little sister oftentimes after school or, you know, she had to borrow my, my car in high school because we didn't have enough money to fix her car. Like just things like that, man, where we were just there for each other and we were a unit and we were a team and she always showed up for me regardless what it was going camping, uh, going sledding down the hill in the winter, you know, clothes that I got for school. It, we were just in it together. And my mom was real with me from the very beginning. She was, she was very open with me about my dad, about, you know, not having money for school clothes because my dad didn't pay child support. And a lot of parents might think, well, don't subject your kids to that. Why would you ever, you know, da, 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 da. But dude, the reality is, is I was still a kid. I still had a childhood. I still had fun. I still had friends, but I also just thought a little bit differently because my mom never refrained from, from telling me the truth. And that's where my tough love and giving the truth comes from. And uh, I'll be honest with you, man. I, you know, I, I know my dad, uh, we don't really have a relationship. I have peace with it. We've had conversations, 
I would not change my childhood for anything. I would not change it for a single thing. If I could go back and do it all over again, I would do it the exact same way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, uh, Chris, uh, just listening to you, buddy, I, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on how you uh, view the concept of adversity, because you know, in my view, my friend, adversity is our answer when it comes to resilience and, and creating creating sort of our definition of resilience. It's sort of uh, the answer to the test to when adversity strikes. So I'm curious uh, to get your thoughts on how adversity and tenacity are sort of interconnected and how can we grow from that as well? Yeah, absolutely. So I think adversity is inevitable. Um, I think it's, it's something that we're all going to face. We're all going to go through. And I think that is where you put that tenacity to the test. I can tell you this, Kevin, there's a lot of things that I had in my childhood that I don't want my daughter to go through, but at the same time, I want my daughter's life to be hard. I want her to face adversity. I want her to grow her tenacity. I don't want her growing up in a bubble. Um, I, you know, it's, we have to have it. I mean, if, if you want to have a truly fulfilling life, if you want to learn how to take risks, if you want to learn how to really understand yourself to, you know, to your deepest depth of your soul, you have to put yourself through tests. You have to subject yourself to hard things and face that adversity to prove your tenacity. You know, um, mm -hmm. that's just the reality, man. I mean, we're all tested. We're all, uh, we all find ourselves when we're tested, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And Chris, how do you define elite independence? What's that now? I said, how do you define elite independence? independence what does it mean to you to have elite independence yeah that's a great question um i think elite independence to me means having a mindset that you don't need anybody but understanding that in a way you need people and what i mean by that is you don't lean on other people to rescue you to save you um, you only lean on other people because you want to give value to those people, or you also want to soak value up from them and learn from them. And I think ultimately, um, if you can balance that, look, like I don't need anybody to survive, meaning I've got myself, I can show up for myself. I know who I am, but I'm also not emotionally detached or emotionally unavailable. And I'm not going to sit here and say like, I don't need anybody because that's a, that's sort of a toxic mindset. There's a healthy way to view, uh, not needing anybody understanding that we all thrive off connection and that you still seek that connection. And, um, that to me is, is what defines elite independence. Uh, yeah. And on the other uh, side of the coin, my friend, how do you define empowered leadership? What do you think it means to be an empowered leader? Great question as well. Uh, I think first of all is, is telling people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. I think one of the toughest parts of leadership is, is having that constructive criticism or that constructive conversation with somebody. And I also think that it's leading people down a path to discover their answer. Uh, and knowing when to give them direct answers. You know, I think if you just give, 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 uh, they'll lean into you as a, like a crutch. But I also think, um, you know, there are times where you have to give it to people direct. So balancing, leading them down that path and leading them to the answer versus giving it to them, um, I think also is another sure tell sign of, a, of an elite leader for sure. And then yeah. the last thing I would say is leading by example. You have to lead by example. You can't tell, tell somebody to do something you're not doing. That's exactly right, my friend. And 
What do you think, when you think about uh, your sort of leading by example, what, what does that mean to you to set an ex example for others to follow? What does that mean to you? I think it's everything. I think it's, uh, I think it's your brand. I think it's your credibility. I think it's your ability to, you know, build a following. And I feel like it's showing every side of who you are because the reality is Kevin is we're all going to have moments of, 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 of hypocrisy, right? We're all going to have a time in our life where we ask somebody to do something that we haven't done. Uh, you know, I tell people to get up early. I tell my clients to get up early has there ever been a moment in my life, one time, even two times, 10 times where I've overslept? Yes, there is. Right. So by definition, I'm a hypocrite. Uh, but I think being real with that. So lead by example also means not only if I tell people to get up early, I should be doing the same thing, but it also means that, look, I'm, I'm flawed and I'm not perfect. And I don't expect you to pretend that you are as well. And I lead by example in my imperfections as well, because I also want to teach people that when you get derailed, that when you do oversleep, here's how you go, you know, here's how you combat that regret. Here's how you get right back on track with your day. And here's how you wake up tomorrow and just, you're right back on track with your, with your, you know, waking up. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, of course I um, uh, have been told by a lot of people that I, I'm an inspirational uh, person because of my mm -hmm. own personal story. But I tell people that I'm simply uh, persistently uh, consistent. And I view my disability as uh, having a competitive advantage in life because it allows me to look at uh, uh, life from a different perspective. So tell me in your uh, sense, my friend, what does that mean to develop a competitive advantage in life and how can we use it to our advantage uh, to prosper man that's that's i'm that's amazing you said that um for you to view that as a competitive advantage like that it's something i'm i'm completely aligned with and i think that i think what that means to me is is ultimately a lot of what people view as trauma is their competitive advantage Right. Like they can go to the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, the way I grew up without a father, the way I grew up poor, my motorcycle accident that almost killed me. You know, I could view all these ex as traumatic experiences. I could, you know, lack the ability to love or I could have a lot more of a toxic approach in my life. Or maybe I never get on a motorcycle again because I was almost killed on one. But that is my competitive advantage. That is my story to tell. That is my chance to be a father for my daughter that I never had. That is my chance to really love and appreciate motorcycles and never take it for granted, you know, and, and really just enjoy riding it now like I never have before. Um, so it's, I mean, dude, that's everything. Like that's that silver lining. That's that perspective right there. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, I'm fascinated to ask, ask you, who do you view as the champions of impact and influence in your life who helped to shape you into the person you are today yeah so first and foremost uh certainly my mother my older brother and uh, my little sister those are my core three um you know my mother obviously raised me my little sister was my opportunity to try to be you know be a man at a young age protect and my brother uh, we're half brothers so we have different dads and his dad is a great guy uh, business owner really instilled a lot of good value in my brother that he passed down to me and kept me on the straight and narrow path. So those three are my core. Um, nowadays, you know, I have mentors and people I look up to in each sector of my life, whether it's coaching, real estate, uh, mindset, 
And then obviously social media, I think is a, a very powerful tool. So, you know, your Tim Grover, Andy Frisella, Ed Milet, um, you know, a lot of the hardcore guys, Wes Watson and, uh, you know, Andy Elliott with sales. Like there's a lot of people that I follow uh, from a distance that also impact me. Yeah. And Chris, I'll give you uh, the space to tell me about uh, your accident uh, that, that occurred in uh, 2015 and how that impacted and changed your life, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, 2015, I had a Ducati Panigale sports bike. It was my dream bike. Had it for about a month. Uh, SUV pulled out in front of me and I was going at a high rate of speed. I was on like an open sort of desert road and SUV pulled out in front of me and I struck the uh, passenger side front fender of the SUV. And I ended up, yeah, I broke my, shattered my whole left arm, shattered my pelvis, tore my abdominal muscles. Um, I was urinating into a bag straight out of my bladder for a couple of weeks. I had to learn how to walk again and just had a lot of injuries that I suffered. And, um, you know, I was conscious I, I, I went in the uh, intersection and I just, I was in medical device at the time working in the OR. So I understood medicine. And I just remember telling myself not to fall asleep because I didn't know if I had internal bleeding. I didn't know if I was paralyzed. I just didn't want to fall asleep and not wake up. And when you go through something like that, it's obviously going to change you forever. And I've had many, many people tell me that I'll, I'll, I've just been different after that accident. And I view that accident as one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me, exactly to your point about what you were born with and how it's your competitive advantage. Uh, it is my competitive advantage. It's exactly why I stay present in the gym, to your point, uh, because I've had my legs taken away from me for you know a few weeks to a month or a couple months learning how to walk. And um, I've had my life flash before my eyes, so I really value my my days, you know? And all these little things, I just, I value that I didn't before. And so for me, similar to how I was raised, if I could go back and do it all over again, as, you know, as, as painful as it was, I would do it over again. That's the reality. And, uh, I don't, I don't shy away from it. As a matter of fact, when I healed a year later, um, I got a new motorcycle and I drove through that very same intersection that I hit that SUV just to really like put myself back in that state because it's just, it was powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And to that point, Chris, I wonder your thoughts on the concept of redemption and how we can use redemption as a tool for growth, my my friend. What what are your thoughts then? Yeah, I, man, I think I think redemption, and you could even almost throw in the word anger. Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I don't think proving somebody wrong or proving something wrong is bad at all. People say don't focus on. The, that person that doubted you kind of thing. But if you can use that as fuel and, uh, you know, prove somebody wrong or redeem yourself, I think it's, it, it's extremely impactful. And I don't think you have to look at a, an individual or a person as a form of redemption. I think it could be a thing. I think it could be a mindset. It could be something you're against, uh, but you can use all of that as a form to redeem yourself and feel like you need to redeem yourself. You know, the reality is, is if somebody doesn't believe in you, you can use it as like a victim or, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not going to try this because they don't believe in me. Or you can say, you know what? I don't blame this person for not believing in me because I wasn't doing anything at the time. I hadn't proved to that person. So I'm going to redeem myself. I'm going to prove them wrong. And yeah, you're not living your life for those people, but there's nothing wrong with using that as fuel to, to you know, enact redemption. So I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, absolutely. And Chris, tell me your thoughts on building a community of hope, determination, and support and how important it is to uh, sort of build what I call 
social capital to succeed in life. How important do you think that is? You know, that plays back into what we talked about, Kevin, with the, um, the thoughts on inclusion. I think it's vital if you want to go far. You know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I think that having that, there's tons of support groups out there. So if you're, you know, anyone listening to this, if they feel discouraged or if they're like, oh, there's already groups out there, every individual relates with other individual completely differently. You know, that's why I've had multiple coaches. That's why I have multiple mentors, et cetera. And I think starting a group or, or having a group that you're a part of, um, it's almost necessary. I mean, you could say technically it's not needed, but I would say it's necessary if you really want to go far because we all have tough days and we all have days where you want to talk to somebody and get feedback or just mouth vomit on somebody and just get it off your chest. And so I think without it, I think we'd be a lot unhappier than uh, than we really need to be. Absolutely. And Chris, what, are the, what does it mean to you to have ambition in life? What does that mean to you, buddy? Yeah, man, I think uh, that's really one of the essence of life. And it's really, I mean, ambition doesn't just mean chasing money. Ambition, I think, really means pursuing your truest potential. Someone listening to this could be a stay-at-home mom. You can be a, a, a dud of a stay-at-home mom, or you can be an ambitious stay-at-home mom. And um, I think that's what plays into passion, energy, um, you know, ultimately just taking your emotions and your your vibe and your aura to the next level is being ambitious. I mean, we all know when we see somebody who's ambitious and it's uh, we want to be around it. It's it's attractive. So uh, I think it's, you know, again, I don't think it's a necessity out of life, but I think your life is that much better if you can tap into your ambition and, and get after it. Yeah. And uh, speaking of ambition, my friend, I know that you left a job that paid you handsomely as a medical sales rep, my friend, and you started a career in real estate and launched your own business. So tell me about uh, that process and how it changed your life, my friend. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, uh, man, I'll tell you this. So leaving that job was the scariest thing I ever did, but it was one of the most vital, essential things I ever did. And I look at, you know, starting a business, especially when you come from a higher paying job, you're going to feel like you're backed into a corner. You're going to feel like you made the wrong move at times, but you experience this freedom and this alignment that you can't really explain until you actually make that leap of faith. And it really forces you to either, either, you know, prevail or fall. I mean, that's really it. Like you either have two options, you're either going to sink or swim. And I think when you uh, put yourself in that position, I think we as humans are so resilient. I think most of the time we're going to swim. And, uh, you know, I burned the boats mentally. You know, I wasn't going back and I knew that. So I didn't have any other choice. And I think it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes we have to take a leap of faith on our own abilities, right? In order to prosper, right? That's right. So, my friend, uh, I'm sure that you will agree with me that the most important job that you'll ever have have is being a dad to tell me well, what does it mean to you to be an elite dad and what does your daughter mean to you my friend oh man that's number one right there um that's literally number one above everything so it's it's i can't even put into words what she means to me how she's changed my life how much she teaches me every day um how much i teach her i mean it's just it's incredible man it's a bond that um 
it's, it's hard to really truly put into words. And I just thank God every single day. Um, there's not a, you know, a day that goes by that I don't have a very even granular piece of gratitude for her, whether it's just something she says or a moment we have together. And then obviously the macro things as well. Just the fact that I just have this little girl in my life that I get to lead. It's, um, it's, 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 it's incredible. And I don't have a son. I can't say the father son relationship. I can't say I know what that's like, but I think daddy daughter, man, I think there's just something about it. That's just extremely special. And I'm very grateful. So. Well, I mean, there's a, you, you gotta be a cut from a different cloth to be, be a girl dad, right? Chris? <laughs> yeah, you sure yeah. do, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. My friend. And I'm going to combine my last question, Chris, because it's a two part question. So if you, if your life ended tomorrow and you had to write sort of the first line of your obituary, my friend, friend, how would you want that to be written? And when you look at your life in terms from a legacy perspective, how do you want that to be remembered for, from both a personal and professional standpoint? Yeah, so I think in the first, you said the first question was uh, my first line of my obituary. Yeah, if you had to write the first line of your obituary, how would you want that to read and want? That's a great question. Uh, the first line, I have ideas of how I want my obituary to go, but I think the first line would be. I would say, see the silver lining in everything I'm about to say. I think that's the first line I would say, because I want everyone to understand that what society perceives isn't necessarily what you need to believe. Like death, of course, there's going to be some sadness to it, but it doesn't need to be something you mourn or lost for this extended period. I think death can be celebrated in a way. Uh, I think hardship isn't something that necessarily needs to be viewed as, oh my gosh, this is so hard and defeating. It can be something that's necessary. So with everything I would say in my obituary, my opening, opening line would be just see the silver lining and everything I'm about to say, you know, um, as far as my legacy and what I would want to leave back, the, the number one thing is my impact on other people. That's my number one thing. Um, I want to, I just want people to, to know that their life has been better because of what I've done or said. Even if that's the tough love, even if it was, man, I don't like what he had to say at first. It didn't make me feel very good, but I know he meant really well and it's really helped me. Um, you know, that's, I just want to have that impact on people and I want to give that unpopular opinion of you got to have the tough love and I'm going to tell you what you need to hear regardless of if you want to hear it or not. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. My friend. And, and tell me finally, if people want to get connected with all the good work that you do from a, a life coaching or real estate perspective, what's the best way they can get in contact with you, my friend? Yeah, absolutely. So my handles, uh, the Chris Gormley. So just first, so the, and then first and last name, the Chris Gormley on Instagram, Facebook, uh, my website, thechrisgormley.com. That's it's currently under construction, but it's going to be going live here in probably the next week or so. And you're going to have, uh, you're going to be able to understand exactly what I do from the coaching perspective, a way to contact me on there. There'll be a link to my real estate page as well. Um, you know, cause I, 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 you know, my coaching is very much focused on discipline coaching and mindset. I can absolutely advise on real estate. Um, you know, I partner with people on real estate deals, whether it's, you know, them bringing deals, them bringing capital. So I'm all about just trying to work together with people and develop, you know, this mindset 
and really uh, focus on the six pillars of my program, which if any of you guys are interested in knowing more, just reach out. I'll talk to you about it. But it's basically everything in your life from health and fitness to mindset to money. So. Yeah, absolutely, my friend. And I have to uh, tell you that I was uh, so honored to spend a few minutes with you, my friend. And I want to thank you once again, my friend, because as I told you before we started recording, my friend, you're joining us today as we celebrate a milestone for the program as we record our 800th episode, my friend. So I want to thank you for... uh, uh, engaging in conversation and joining us for the celebration, my friend. It's most appreciated. And Kevin, thank you so much, my man. I truly appreciate it. Dude, really cool that it was the 800th episode. And um, I love your story as well. And I can feel a lot of synergy here just with, with the questions you asked, the answers I gave, and just understanding your background. So I appreciate the opportunity. And for everyone listening, I appreciate the uh, carving out the time to listen.